And now, back to David Spada and Elliot Harris for more sports and torts on TalkZone.com. Elliot, our next guest I watched run, I don't know how many times... Back in the late 70s, early 80s, they were my favorite team besides the Bears, like Dallas Cowboys, and it wasn't for the cheerleaders. It was the players, too. Football on the field. I mean, Tony Dorsett could do it all. We're going to get to an interview we taped earlier in the week with Tony Dorsett. How are you doing today, Tony? I am doing fantastic. How about you? Hey, we're doing better than Pittsburgh right now in college football. Hey, don't you go there. <laughs> don't you go there. <laughs> <laughs> my good passes are good. Oh, boy. Uh, they don't look too good right now. I'm hoping and praying that they can get it together, though. I was at the Hall of Fame this year, and it's amazing how many people with Pittsburgh connections went in. You had the two former Steelers, Jack Butler, Dermonte Dawson, and then you had two former Pittsburgh college players in uh, Chris Dolman and Curtis Martin. It's amazing how big football is in Pittsburgh. Well, you know, um, we, we we take a lot of pride coming from Western Pennsylvania in the type of football that's played there both collegiate for high scholastically, collegially, and professionally. So uh, you know, it was good to see obviously, especially uh some of my Pitt alumni, uh, Curtis and, and Chris going into the Pro Football Hall of Fame obviously and everybody else that was involved in that class. But you know, that's uh, I mean uh I think it's just good to see people be be able to, to you know uh, I, I would say, I don't want to say they live out their dream, but it's like a dream come true to them because nobody goes into this game or play this game thinking about pro football's Hall of Fame. We're going into it just, you know, trying to uh, have a healthy, long career and, and, and let tips fall where they may when it's over. How did you end up at Pitt and not at Penn State? Well, uh, you got time? Have you got time? I can tell you the story. I'll give you the short version, okay? Um, okay. This is what um, I was... Um, I was a big fan of uh, Lydell Mitchell and Franco Harris. And uh, when I was a kid growing up, that was, that was a 10 at Penn State. And all I wanted to do was go to Penn State and be uh, like Lydell Mitchell and Franco Harris. And uh, that's all I talked about. As a matter of fact, my last game of high school, I had a monster game. And, and Big Bowl Prince in the newspaper, the next day was Penn State next stop. That's all I talked about. And what happened was, I don't know if Joe Paul and, and uh, the staff up there just really thought they just had me. Uh, but I was, you know, I was what you call a blue chip recruit. And I was being recruited by SC, UCLA, you, uh, you go Arizona, Arizona. I mean, there was, there was still teams coming from Colorado, coming from way out west, let alone, you know, Michigan, Ohio State, and all these schools that, you know, back on the East Coast. And everybody's coming up, and I'm waiting for, I'm waiting for paternal. I'm like, where is he at? And I kind of lost, I kind of lost interest after a while because I kind of thought that they showed lack of interest, and I lost interest. And uh, and, and and one of the and another thing that that helped me lose interest was it was one of the, I guess, more negative uh, visits, visits that I took in any other place. And back then, we had unlimited visitation rights, so I was going, I was going somewhere almost every weekend. I was getting frustrated and confused, too, along the way. But when I went to Penn State, um, all the players that I talked to, it was, it was amazing. And they all said, you know, you may come here as a quarterback, but you may leave here as a center. And so because Penn State had uh, John Capoletti there, he was going to, uh, I guess, his senior year, and uh, Capoletti, I guess, was up for the Heisman. Obviously, he won it uh, that year. But um, 
So my dream, so Joe Paterno had told me when I finally got my visit, he told me that he wanted me to be a defensive back first, you know, that first year. And then, you know, when John Cavaletti graduated, you know, they put me back at running back. But the only thing that kept coming through my mind was the fact that all the players that I said, say, hey, man, the, the stories they were telling me, like, I mean, as a quarterback, you may end up as a center. And my dream was to be a running back first. And so, and, you know, and I figured like this, and, and not to take it, don't take it wrong, I was, I, I, I have cockiness or anything, but, you know, I had a little swag back there. But I, I said to myself, and, and Joe wants me to be a defensive back, I'm going to be a damn good defensive back, and he's not going to want to put me back to offense. You know, mind you, coming out of high school, I was an all-American running back and an all-state defensive back. So that's pretty much the story, man, in the short version. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I'll tell you a school that should have won after you hired was Notre Dame because you just beat them up. You had, what, 303 rushing yards your junior year, then you had 290 yards your senior year. They couldn't stop you. Well, let me tell you about them. Now, I, got a story, I got a story for everybody. But anyway, as the story goes, you know, when I was being recruited by Notre Dame, uh, 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 Tom Pagna, Air Force Higgins, right hand man. Uh, supposedly the word the word got back to me that Tom Pagna went to, to Air Force Higgins and said uh, he's just a skinny little kid from Alcoba, Pennsylvania that would never make it as a major college running back. So you you can only imagine what my thoughts were during that week of preparation to play the fighting hours. So uh, you know that, that tells it all right there. I wasn't giving them no break at all. So, you know, that's one of the reasons, that's one of the motivating forces uh, to help get me ready to play against the fighting hours, you know, and then as a freshman, I went, I think, over 200 yards, and then junior 303. I mean, I, I set an NC2A record for the most yards against a common opponent, and that was Notre Dame. And they, they had tough defenses back then, too. And the transition from high school to college didn't seem too difficult for you because you became, uh, what, the first freshman in 29 years to be named uh, All-America? Consensus all the record. First team. <laughs> you got to make that. You got to put that okay. in there. Okay. Okay. You know what? We don't want to tell you a short But let me tell you something. Now, there was, I mean, there was an adjustment. I, see, the people don't know, I almost left school because I was pretty much an introverted young man. I, I mean, I, I, I was hard for me to make friends. I hid behind my little, little, little round sun, dark sunglasses that I had. I mean, I could play on the field, but it was socially, it was hard for me make the adjustment. Matter of fact, my hometown, you know, is only about 30 minutes maximum drive away from the university. So, you know, I was, uh, I spent more time back and back home. My mom was like, what are you doing? What are you doing? But I was, I was just, it just took me a while, you know, to get acclimated. And once, once I did, then my mom was saying, uh, when are you coming home? When are you coming home? But, uh, uh, but yeah, I, 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 from that standpoint, socially, I, I had, I, it was a big adjustment for me. Athletically, I was just smooth sailing. I fit in, I fit in right there, you know. John Major's in the pit was rebuilding at that time, and it was just a perfect trip, man. I, 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 uh, you know, it was, it was like hand in glove, and I was glad that, uh, you know, uh, John, the University of Pittsburgh made a coaching change, because I, I probably wouldn't have went there if they had. And then you won a national championship there, they had to be a true joy. Well, I tell you, we we uh we won a national championship there at, at four years, and to be part of a, of that process, man, to see it come to fruition, to see you know, at, you know, I, we went to bowl games every year, and, and to see Pitt had been to bowl games, so we we go to bowl games, and, and then you know, uh, we get to that 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 senior year, um, 
And let me tell you, now that's a script made for Hollywood. Now, because uh, you know, people, you know, uh, we go, we go, we lose our first, our first two starting quarterbacks. You know, our second, I think it's second or third game of the season went down in Atlanta. Robert Haygood, who was our starting quarterback, that was his hometown. And he got hurt, lost him for the year. He tore his knee up. We lost him for the year. Then Matt Cavanaugh comes in as who was, you know, those two were fighting for the starting position. Couldn't either way. And so Matt came in, and then uh, you know, about three games, three or four games at the Matt party, Matt got hurt. Unfortunately for us, it wasn't for the whole year. But so we were down to a fifth-year walk-on quarterback who had never taken a snap at the University of Pittsburgh. And so that's to tell you all about the. You know, for those young viewers and listeners out there, about teamwork and pulling together, a rallying call, and offense pulling for the defense, defense pulling for the offense, and our defense won a couple games for us. I mean, they were, they came up big for us during the absence of of of, of, of uh, Matt Cavanaugh. But Tommy Usyk, uh, he's a con- con- congressman now, uh, from my understanding. Con- congressman Tommy Usyk, uh, uh, Phil did pretty good for for Matt while he was out, and uh, we ended up. Uh, Matt came back late in the year. We ended up uh, uh, going undefeated and uh, going to the Sugar Bowl and beat the dog. We beat the dog, you know, out of the dog, uh, and we won a national championship. But all the quarterback pretty much had to do was give you the ball, right? Well, that was that was that wasn't a bad thing to do. <laughs> <I don't laughs> it, it was it was a pretty good option for us, but uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, Tommy Usyk was, uh, especially when he was there, there was, you know, we, we ran the ball quite a bit and, and we surprised him a little bit with some of that play action and made some big plays as well. Tommy, Tommy held his own, did what he was supposed to do, felt in it admirably. And, uh, you know, all the other guys, like I said, the rallying called our defense started, you know, pulling games out for us and our, you know, I'm talking about goal line stances on the one yard line with four, four downs to go. And uh, you know, stopping teams, and uh, and uh, and we win the football game. You're gonna be the happiest guy in NFL history to be the number two pick in the draft, and not the number one, because you get to go to the Cowboys instead of the Buccaneers. Well, let me tell you something about that draft. Now, uh, uh, you know, we had two expansion teams coming into the league that year. That was uh, the Seattle Seahawks and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And uh, for those who don't know, Tampa Bay. Just got that. Uh, just hired uh, the coach John McKay, who coached Ricky Bell uh, out at USC. And quote unquote, Ricky Bell was was quote unquote the prototype running back, six three, two hundred thirty pounds. Whereas I was coming out at five eleven, uh, uh, hundred and fifty five pounds. So you know, so John. No, I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. That was going into college. Coming out of college, Ricky Bell was yeah, he was big. I was one eighty three. So now, now Ricky. So John McKay obviously knew Ricky Bell, knew all, all about Ricky Bell because he coached him at SC. And uh, so he took Ricky Bell, and Seattle had my right. And uh, somehow Bamboozle, the Dallas Cowboys bamboozled him, and uh, I ended up in Dallas, and thank God for that. Because I, I, I found it a lot more healthier for me to be running behind an, an established offensive line than an expansion line. Uh, going into the National Football League. It's a pretty good quarterback there with the Cowboys there, and uh, Roger Staubach, who was at the end of his career. Well, let me tell you, you know, uh, I was blessed to, to, to have, have that opportunity to play behind one of the more prolific quarterbacks at that time in the National Football League to play with him as Roger Staubach. And, uh, let me tell you, Roger, you, you talk, you're talking about 
the role model, the, the alternate pro, alternate family man, the guard family man, um, and we got his leadership. And uh, you learn from guys like that on, on how to become a, how to become a pro, a real pro, and how to handle yourself both on and off the football field. So I was I was I was pretty privileged that to have that opportunity, and, and I and I even respect it to this day. I I have nothing but admiration for. Roger Starbuck, you know, and as I always say, you know, if I wanted to be to be a role, somebody to be my role model or my mentor, it would be Mr. Starbuck. Now, it took uh, 10 games before you became the starter. Was there some point where you wanted to go to Tom Landry and say, how come I'm not the starting running back earlier in the season? Oh, yeah. Well, well let me tell you, we, we, went, we went at it uh, indirectly. And that was through the media. And, um, you know, I was, you know, I was, yeah, I, 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 I said a lot of things. And Tom Landry had a way of humbling people. You know, Tom, Tom, uh, you know, uh, he, uh, he, he just wanted to humble um, he, 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 he saw a young kid coming in, won a national championship, a high school trophy winner, got all this media attention, and he, and, you know, he just wanted to keep me grounded. And, and he did it. Trust me, he did it, and 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 I, I when I finally went in to have a one on one with him, uh, he called me and uh, he called me in. And he said, you know, he told me he said we we expected you to be a starter by now, uh, and I was like, so 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 did I. I said, and you know, um, but what what was happening up to that point, and I guess he realized he was getting the best of me because I started. Being a, a little lackadaisical, uh, I wasn't doing the things. I was just, I would just run. If I dropped the ball, if I dropped the pass, I was just like, like wave it off like it ain't nothing. I'd do it in the game. My attitude changed because I, I had, when I told him, I said, because I've written this year off. I said, uh, I was pretty much going to come into training camp next year, uh, throwing and going and winning this starting job. And, uh, he told me, he said, all you need to do is just, uh, uh, pick it up a little bit, uh, uh, change your attitude a little bit, act like things bother you, you know, when I drop a pass or something like that. And he says, uh, you'll be a starter. And I, I looked at him, true story, I looked at him and I said, I looked right in his eyes and I said, hey, Coach, I wish, you would have, I, I wish we would have had this meeting nine weeks ago. And, uh, you know, that was it. So I went out to practice. So I tried to put forth a little bit more effort. And uh, he... Uh, he made me the starter, and I kind of felt bad because uh, Preston Pearson was the starter. Preston that came in from the Pittsburgh Steelers. We were going back to Pittsburgh. Obviously, I've just been there a year earlier, winning the national championship. So, and I'm going home, and he made me the starter going back uh, to Pittsburgh, which was a great feeling for me. And uh, man, from there, I guess it's say the rest was history, as they say. Because you were the first college football player to win a championship one year, and the next year win a Super Bowl. Uh, yeah, man. I, you know, it was. I, I mean, that sets you up, you know. It's kind of like a setup, man, because, uh, you know, I ain't got nowhere else to go but down, you know. It's like, you got, I win a national championship, a high school show, man, a world, a Super Bowl championship. is like, oh, man. But uh, fortunately for me, it didn't go down. We didn't we didn't win uh, another uh, championship, but we were back in the Super Bowl the following year, which was a fourth or second in this. NFC championship games, and unfortunately, wasn't able to get it over that final hurdle. But I tell you what, I, I enjoyed it. I mean, I had a lot of great, great teammates. Uh, I had a lot of great rivalries going. I made a lot of great friends. 
uh, over my career, through my career in the National Football League. Uh, Did you figure after that first Super Bowl there'd be a, two or three more? Well, uh, that's what I thought. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, you know, it just doesn't come that easy, man. Yeah. You know, it was like I said, it sets you up for failure if you're not careful. Uh, but I'm a weekly team, you know, we in Dallas. But, um, yeah, it was, yeah, it was like, man, this is, this is what it's all about right here. And we, we just, we've gotten this already. Oh, man, this is going to be cool. Uh, but it just didn't work out like that. Uh, we did, but we were always in the thick of it, man. We we were, we had some great teams and great players, and I and I enjoyed every one of my years here in Dallas. It had a hurt losing to the Steelers because wasn't it your team that you watched growing up? Let me tell you something. That that was one of the. Well, you talking about mental preparation, being mentally prepared, mentally ready to play, uh, go against a team. Uh, Man, when I, I I was going as a kid growing up from Western Western PA, black and gold is what you all what you're all about. I'm still a big Steeler fan, you know. They, they just happen to be one one B instead of one A. I'm a big Steeler fan. I mean, I, that's my roots. That's what I'm all about. Western PA, Steel Mill, Steel City, and all that. But but to get the opportunity, you know, you watch these these these, these guys uh, as a kid. And then all of a sudden you get the opportunity to play against these guys and, and quote unquote the ultimate move. You talking about somebody being geeked up and ready to go, buddy? <laughs> uh boy, I was hyped. I was hyped. I, I trust me, man. I, I and it was just unfortunate. It was one of the better played Super Bowls uh of recent in, in years. I mean we, we played it was a I think it was thirty five, thirty one, they they won that game, but it was it was it was a hard-fought, tough football. Now, there's a 20-door set drive near Heinz Field in Pittsburgh. How did that happen? Didn't you have it in Dallas or in Arlington? Uh, well, well, I think something. But at the, the city of Pittsburgh still appreciate, uh, they appreciated what I was able to do. But also, you know, uh, my alma mater now plays in, in Heinz Field. Uh, so I guess it was some way of a way to give some recognition, not only um Get to me, but for the university and one of their, one of their, I guess, uh, players of the past. Uh, you know, I've been able to, I was able to do a lot of good things while I was there. So, uh, man, that was a good feeling. You go back home and see your name on the street, street there, right there down the field, the home of the Pittsburgh Steelers. <laughs> when you, are you most well known for that 99-yard uh, touchdown run on Monday Night Football, or is there another play that defines your career? Well. See, a lot of people, that's one of the more memorable things of my career. And uh, there will be a lot of people that remember that run. I'm lost. That run more so than any other run because of the platform that it took place on Monday Night Football. It was the only ticket in town back then at that time. Everybody was watching. And it was an NFL record-setting run, a run that you can't break. You can only tie it. So, um yeah, so, you know, I, I, people will remember that, but it, to me, as, as far as I'm concerned, that's not, that's not the most memorable one, the most, uh, uh that I had. I mean, I, I did a little, I had a little five for three yard run, uh, on the goal line, and, uh, uh, back in the day, that was, I thought was the best run I, I ever made. And so, uh, that's, that's my thoughts on it. Yeah, well, I, I remember that 99 yard one. I remember watching it, I remember, the replays that night. 
and I often wonder if ESPN had been around then, how many times and how big that that play itself would have become. <laughs> that 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 run yeah. right there would have been that would oh boy that would have been what they've been talking about for about for about a week or so. And that was that was an, it was. A, I mean, we get it, like I said, how it happened on Monday Night Football, and 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 then you know, you know, it's an NFL record setting run. A record that can't be broken. And you know, if somebody ties it, I tell them always. I say I have one up on it anyway because we only had ten men on the field. How did you only have ten men on the field? We only had ten men. Actually, we had ten men on the field. It was part of my doing because. Um, well, so I came in with the play, and uh, we we, run, we can run that play from a two-back or a single-back. And the single-back is going to be me. And I came in, and I told Ron Springer to get out. Uh, we're going to run the single-back formation. And when he went back to the sideline, everybody said, you're supposed to be back out of the field. And he was like, he, said, he, he, he would always say, there's no way I was running back out there on that field. He said, I, he realized we can run a play with uh, 10 men on the field. He says, I wasn't about to get us a, a penalty backed up on the one-inch yard line and have to come back and face Tom Landry. So he stayed on the sideline. And, and I said, well, well, you wouldn't you have been able to run that far anyway, so it's a good thing you did. Yeah. <laughs> now, at, at what point on that play did you know you were going to score a touchdown? Well, I, I guess when it got about close around about midfield, I, I, you know, when I made the move, when you see that run, you see I'm behind Drew Pearson. There's two defenders ahead. Drew, Finner, Drew Pearson, my wide receiver, is out. And I'm looking at Drew Pearson's legs from behind. And Drew's a little knock knees and pigeon toe. So I'm looking at his, his legs going any which way, man. And he saw the tiring. And I said, you know what? I'm going to make a move right now. And uh, to see if I can get get past Drew and these guys. And Drew threw at one of the guys. I actually knocked him a little bit further ahead. And I actually thought I was going to get pushed out of bounds because I was so close to the sideline. I was tiring myself, and I'm like, man, they ain't going to take much. Thing to do. I thought, no, I'm thinking. And the guy pushed me. Uh, he didn't have enough shove in his push or pushing his shove to push me out of bounds, and I ended up going all the way in. What a great guy, Tony Dorsett. Definitely. He could talk a mile a minute as fast as he used to be able to run. Well, maybe faster. We're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we're going to get to one of the newest members of the Pro Football Hall of Fame, Dermani Dawson. Stay tuned. 